welcome to another episode of The Bold Platform. Um, it's Adrian here. I'm the creator and host of this podcast. If this is your first episode, uh, The Bold Platform is all about telling the stories um, or hearing the stories of Australian women and girls who have started really um, incredible businesses or projects or initiatives. So um, if this is your first episode, it's really great to have you here and hopefully you'll be able to scroll back through the feed and find another episode that might grab your attention. But for today, I am joined on the line by Helen from Work Restart. So hello to you, Helen. Hello, Adrian. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're obviously a very busy lady from the from the out of office messages I get <laughs> from you, and they're so cleverly worded. So let's get straight into um, what Work Restart is all about. That's a brilliant question. Work Restart is essentially aimed at helping people um, restart their lives if they've had an experience of incarceration. So we work mainly inside the prison but also about to start working outside the prison too um, just to help people understand um, their potential, uh, retrain and and refocus and and I suppose shift their mindset and uh, look at how they can um, contribute more positively to society when they actually get out. And Helen, whereabouts are you based? I can hear some beautiful native Australian birds oh, in the so background. They're <laughs> going off, and it would be typical. So we're actually based in Queensland. I'm currently in my home office because uh, you know everything is inside and outside and everywhere. Mm. And these lovely birds have decided to join us this afternoon. So I do apologise. They sound like lorikeets by the sound of it. They are a little bit like that. There's all sorts of different ones. So, yeah, um, but that's the best thing, I suppose, about what we do is it's uh, we have um, people operating from home, we have people operating from inside. Mm. Um, yeah, so it enables a little bit of flexibility. So Yeah, yeah. and so I alluded to your out-of-office before <laughs> um, for the listeners when Helen and I have been uh, emailing back and forward to schedule a time to, to jump on the video today and um, an interview, I'd, I'd get an, an out-of-office from Helen that said, oh, I'm working on the inside today. So I think um, let's get, you know, right into what that looks like and, and I guess what, what um, sort of the nitty-gritty of what Work Restart does and, and what, you, what you do, you know, at home versus from the inside of, of, the, yeah. um, of the prisons, I guess. Absolutely. Well, the, the critical thing is when you, when you go inside a prison, you can't take your mobile phone or, or other bits and pieces. So it's, it's, it's really is a tech-free environment to a certain mm. extent, which is quite unusual these days. Um, what we do is we, we had partnered, um, we have partnered with the Queensland Corrective Services to run um, uh, our model inside one prison. There's a bit of a pilot, a bit of a trial, which we're really excited to be doing. Um, and it's all around creating meaningful pathways for people when they get out. So we predominantly at the moment work with male prisoners. Uh, they mm-hmm. make up the majority of um, people that are incarcerated. Um, we would very much love to start working in a female prison. They're actually Australia's largest growing group of incarcerated people. And so, um, yeah, what we're hoping that we can do is, is something that can be replicated across Australia. 
um, at the bare minimum and hopefully the world. <laughs> so, yeah. So we we have been lucky enough to actually receive some um, areas inside the prison, um, industry areas. So our focus is very much on employment. Um, one thing that we find is reoffending is very much driven um, by a number of factors. It's, it's very complex. If it was easy to solve, it would have been solved ages ago. But sure. there's all sorts of factors such as mental health, drug and alcohol abuse, um, training, skills and ability, mindset that all impact on whether somebody's going to reoffend or not. Um, and what we specifically look at is one of the key um, determinants of that, which is meaningful employment on the outside. So many people that are incarcerated due to their life experiences often have um, a lack of formal education or a lack mm -hmm. of um, work experience. Mm -hmm. So we actually give people the, the opportunity to recognise what skill sets they have, uh, train in those areas, work with real-world work environments so it enables them uh, a better chance to be able to get um, jobs when they get released. So, and hmm. where did this idea come from? Is this something that you've your your background or? Yeah, no. If you if you said to me that I'd be working with incarcerated people three years ago, I would I just would have laughed at you. And said, <laughs> what, what the hell? I don't I don't you know. Um, it it was it was part of a Queensland government co working pilot. And the concept was was put together by a group of people. Um, I've been lucky enough to be involved right from the start. And and what I recognise straight up is that what often happens in in prisons, especially male prisons, is the focus on um, traditional trade based skills. Mm -hmm. And um, nothing wrong with that whatsoever at all. Absolutely need them in Australia, but not everybody is wired that way. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, doing a little bit of research with some of the stuff that was happening overseas and other areas, what I realised is, you know, we live in such a digital economy, we really need to look at, it, you know, is there a capability for people to develop their digital capability and skill sets while inside? And so we um, we originally wanted to do coding you know, inside the prison and mm -hmm. um, some people weren't were a little bit nervous about that. They thought that maybe the coding could be used to break out or something like that, sure. <laughs> which um, it's, it's impossible. Um, so we actually started with graphic design. So we we um, established Australia's first digital studio inside a prison um, and it's the only one in the world, graphic design studio in the world. Um, so... In there, what we've been doing is um, now partnering with a wonderful social enterprise called Green Fox Studio and uh, they help run that and giving people the opportunity to, that may have creative talents and skills and avenue to be able to say, well, look, this is actually how you can use this in a in a productive way on the outside so they may have been tagging trains on the outside well actually you can utilize all of those skills that you have and and, and get a job and and um you know be really do something that you're passionate about and creative um in a more community positive way so yeah and are the programs something um that's mandatory or is it something that absolutely the, um, not the men no. are given an opportunity to that's correct sort of enroll in yeah, so it, we try to create as real-world work environment as we can on the inside. Mm -hmm. So we partner with um, 
mainly social enterprises and other businesses to be able to outsource some of their work inside. Mm -hmm. So um, if companies are currently outsourcing it overseas to China or somewhere, what we encourage them to do is to consider it outsourcing that to inside mm-hmm. um, and then um, from there they can they can achieve their good company outcomes and we can achieve good outcomes for the guys we're working with so they're getting the chance to have a real world work experience so because of that um, all of our programs are completely voluntary um, they have to apply for a position with us um, we try to create real world working teams uh, with team leaders and other bits and pieces so there's a progression um, program within within our areas as well and just help people develop confidence and skills and that self-belief that's often lacking um, with people inside um, just to be able to achieve something different when they get out. Mm. So we do that in three key areas. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, Um, you're right. Yeah, so we do that in digital industries, which is really hilarious because they're not allowed to be connected to the internet at all. So you can imagine um, setting up digital capabilities and skill sets and everything without any internet connection. So we have to create servers inside that replicate outside. Um, We have to, it's it's a little bit more laborious than a normal work environment Mm. because um, there's a a bottleneck where we get information inside and out. Um, But we've been able to do fantastic things. Um, We have guys that have been working on... um, the the um, animation um, video clips for, for Australian bands. We have people doing virtual reality. Um, we have one person that had taught himself coding on paper and pen, and this was the first time he was actually able to sit down in front of a computer and and actually see what he envisaged coming to life because he really didn't have much experience with computers before that and um, all sorts of other things, which is really fantastic. So we have the digital area. Uh, we have our what's called our entrepreneurial hub. So we run Australia's first entrepreneurial program inside a prison um, where we're working with um, local um, successful business people and entrepreneurial organisations to help mentor and support those people. Um, and that also supports startups in our community and then we have our industrial area where we're looking at construction so I suppose the buildings we have three key themes across what we actually look at doing with the cohorts inside you must have met some very fascinating students um, through (laughs) the program is there and and sorry if this sort of comes across in a I don't mean it to sound judgmental, so I'll try to word it correctly. (laughs) Are there certain people that due to the crimes that they have committed are potential are not eligible to enroll because of the severity of the program? Like is there a certain sort of level of crime and its severity that allows people to apply or um, is it sort of open to everybody? Yeah, we're, we're open to everybody. The prison that we're in would be considered to be a medium or low security prison. So okay. that then um, has a different cohort of sure. um, incarcerated people than potentially others. Mm-hmm. I think one of the hardest things what we have to do, and I, I do struggle with it, um, is what we call fearless compassion. Mm. Um, it is being able to recognise that if somebody has stepped over a line that's pretty well drawn in the sand, um, what's happened in their life 
that has enabled them to or, you know, even forced them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear a lot of stories from some of the people we work with, you know, their backgrounds and when you understand that some of them have had horrific, mm. just horrific upbringings and don't often have the skill sets or, or even the, the the mentors or the role models around them, just didn't have those things, didn't have the opportunities, the experiences or the, the mentors or role models around them in those really formative years mm-hmm. that they um, are failing to make the correct decisions or, or some of the rational thinking that we often um, have been able to develop isn't always quite there. And um, when you add drugs into that mix, it just becomes um, quite horrific. I mean, drugs are probably 80% of the people we work with are incarcerated for some reason, you know, drugs is somewhere in that in that mix. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, maybe we've had people that have... Um, been in very difficult and dangerous family situations and have been on the streets since they were 12 and it, it's which is a ridiculously low age mm. to be on the streets and be by yourself with and um, they just do what they have to to survive sometimes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, don't get me wrong there are people in jail who need to be in jail and that's yes. what jails are for um, but 98% of people are released out into our community so the way we look at it is if we can help somebody actually discover the potential of who they are and um, ways to to work with some of those triggers, um, then what we're able to do is, is you know, they can go back out into the community and have a better chance of succeeding um, rather than falling into those same traps and triggers that they had that were leading, that led them inside in the first place. I know on your website there's some statistics there and you sort of mentioned earlier at the start the statistics around um, re-offending yeah. and obviously heading heading back in into inside. Due to the work that you're doing, do you have sort of um, any figures around what those figures or those statistics look like after people have been through those programs? Is that something that you're tracking to sort of see that impact? Yeah, absolutely. Um, It it is all about outcomes. You you can do wonderful things, but if they don't lead to outcomes that are measurable and have impact, then you know, the idea is to sort of look at something else, I suppose. Um, So at the currently, within Australia, 46% of people re-offend and go back into prison. So it's almost half. And the average cost to house somebody inside a prison is $106,000 a year. So it's a billion, $7 billion problem Mm. uh, Australian has, which, you know, that money could be put into programs that help kids that are disadvantaged and other things that help can stop that that sort of reoffending cycle earlier on in the process but we have this sort of intergenerational issue currently within our prisons that um yeah we really want to sort of help do with and not only that the human potential that we're missing out on mm. 45,000 people roughly in Australia that are incarcerated and these are people, if we get over the judgment and can develop a little bit of fearless compassion, these are people that have wants and dreams and skills and capabilities. And I've met the most brilliant artists. I've met the most brilliant minds. I've met the most, um, you know, amazingly um, 
community, surprisingly enough, um, oriented people from the perspective of with our entrepreneurial program that we run, um, generally without them realising it, 30 to 40% of the cohort want to establish social enterprises to try and address the issues that saw them there in the first place. Sure, you know, yeah. People who have skills and capabilities and there's so much talent that's locked up inside that if we have the opportunity for them to be able to recognise their talents and their true potential, um, you know, we can unlock that and that's for the benefit of all Australia. Mm, and to see that for them, you know, potentially that that story can have a another chapter and and their life could potentially have another path you Absolutely. know back to what you said about sort of sometimes that it is a they are a product of their environment and the and the traumatic childhoods or, or youth yep. that they might have had and it's that you know maybe that that, that doesn't have to be where their story ends and that yeah. but it's about giving them that opportunity to realize that I guess yeah and and to a certain extent it shouldn't be where their story ends you totally know, we, we have a duty of care as a society to look after the children that, that are Australian children, you know, our, mm. our youth. Mm. And if we've let some slip through that gap, we can't start saying, well, now you're 18, um, you're no longer on our radar, our you're problem, no yeah. longer, um, you know, capable, you know, yeah, I just I find it hard. And it is difficult. It is really hard sometimes. And I often don't. <laughs> I often fall into that trap of being a bit more judgmental. Mm. Um, and fearless compassion isn't about realism. It's just saying, uh, recognise that you've made decisions for some reason in your life that other people have decided not to. And there has to be a reason for that and there has to be, you know, some understanding that sits around that as well. Mm. I think the other part of that model too is, you know, victims' rights. So I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't be tough on crime because we should be as a society. You know, we need to know that we're all safe. Sure. But um, the best models in the world have, um, you know, rehabilitation as the focus from day one inside, mm. not, not punishment. Punishment. Yeah, and it's those models that actually have the best possible reoffending rates, and and they're the Scandinavian ones. I was going to say, are there certain countries that you know the the funding that you work under, or, or you and the Work Restart team look to for inspiration or ideas or or sort of global best practice? Absolutely. I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be um, selected as a Westpac Social Change Fellow in 2018. Mm. It's, it's a little bit like a Churchill Fellowship, but it's it's for the social enterprise sector. And um, that enabled me to actually tour um, many places across the world looking at best practice, mm. you know, what's actually happening in other areas, how is it working, how is it not working, uh, and what are the triggers that actually go into making it successful and obviously the Scandinavian company, uh, countries are just um, miles ahead because they do have this um, significant focus on rehabilitation and second chances. Um, America's probably down the other end of the spectrum where it's predominantly about punishment mm-hmm. um, and their reoffending rates are up around the 70%. So, wow. you know, it's not, it's not effective for society and there's a lot of other issues that sit within the American justice system that are very wrong um, and certainly Australia is somewhere in the middle so it, it definitely has a rehabilitation focus but it, it's also driven by justice I suppose um, because that's our, our community interest as well so 
Um, but best practice does exist out there and it's something that we're really interested in, in looking at. And in some cases, we've actually been on the forefront. We've been delighted to sort of feel that we're what we do is actually quite revolutionary across mm. the world um, in having that. Um, we're completely self-funded, so we do not have government funding. Oh, right. Program. No. So we we operate, as you said, with commercial entities. We, we do some of their work inside that pays for our program. It gives people a reference from a real company and real real world work environment, and that pays for the program. So it, it's um it, it's it's a wonderful situation for the community if we can basically reduce the reoffending rate, which we do in our programs to eight point three percent, and not actually cost <laughs> not actually cost the community anything. And um, we have companies that are really committed social advocates that are involved in our programs and they um, really are trying to trying to do the best thing for for um for their community as well so yeah and how do those conversations go Helen say you're approaching a, a local business you you may have opportunity for you know sponsorship or support do you do you get a lot of pushback you know for every company that you go and chat to is it sort of one's interested and one doesn't want anything to do with it or do you notice that most companies are sort of open to that that conversation you know again to your point around you know that judgment and and like you said sometimes you do that and I obviously I, I definitely would do that to go oh that's not sort of the kind of people I, I would want my business associated with potentially um I think the biggest thing is um we all have a preconceived notion of mm. working with and um we invite people to come inside and once they come inside and meet people that there's a face there's a name um they understand that it, you know we, we're working with people that have just made a wrong decision or mm-hmm. have had um something go wrong in their life um that are generally interested in changing their lives mm-hmm. and moving forward and it's that person to person um sort of um contact that just mm. sort of blows away a lot of the preconceived ideas um sure. we, we, we um anybody who's ever come inside has never walked away going those people don't deserve anything mm. um they've always been quite moved by the experience and that's absolutely one thing that we find with our entrepreneurial mentors is that they are um very often moved about the experience of going in and, and wanting to help and understanding and getting to know these people a little bit more. So, um, yeah, look, there are there are definitely some out there where this isn't a good fit for them and that's okay as well. Sure. So there's, there's lots of social um, impacts. There's lots of things that they can be involved in. Um, we are, just like we're talking about fearless compassion, we look for companies that are fearless in what they are trying to achieve as well Mm. and understanding that this is probably one of the hardest elements or groups of people to be supporting in the community if you Mm. if you talk to people if of course if it's to do with kids or animals or elderly they're kind of up the top of the spectrum and then you have homeless and then you have other people and and, you know, to be honest, a lot of people sort of feel, well, why should we give any help to people who haven't, who have, who have crossed that line? Mm. Um, but it, it, and we would never force or want to sort of work with anybody that doesn't have that real fearless 
um, vision to be able to make a significant difference and to the safety and the well-being of our community as well. So, yeah, we get some pushback. But yeah. that's their, more than entitled to, to their opinion is, is our view. Yeah. And it sounds like a lot of it is about, you know, starting that conversation, letting them have a look inside that world and, and starting to break down those stereotypes that we've all yeah. sort of been fed along, yeah. you know, our own lives. Yeah, I think I think it's when you have people who it just brings it home when you have people. I, I remember the first time we'd opened up the studio, we had somebody who was just absolutely covered in tats. Mm. And, you know, people would have been a bit little bit nervous maybe around around him. And mm. he was doing some work on the computer and I happened to be in the room and I just said, Oh, that's that's actually looking really good. This this um thirty year old man jumped up out of his seat. And just was pacing and he just went, really, really? Is this, is this really, you think so? And I just looked at him and I thought, oh, you poor bastard. You've never been told that you're good at anything. Mm. For you to to act in that way to this conversation and and, um, to be open to to success and to be open to be good at something Mm. um, was really eye-opening for me and I just always think back to that and you just you never know the impact that you can have and absolutely there's going to be some people who um, will struggle and they do when they get out um, which is why the second part of what we want to do is really important to us this year to enact all of that which is creating social enterprises on the outside that can be the next day out sort of work opportunities for people, get their feet back on the ground in a, in a safe environment um, and then they can go better into mainstream employment from there. So um, so not only giving them the skills while they're on the inside but then sort yeah. of having almost like a job lined up for them when they come out to Absolutely. make that transition to then yeah. the next step being moving on to employment outside yeah. of your program. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you can imagine if somebody is going back into the same environment, doesn't have a job, doesn't mm-hmm. have anything else, mm-hmm. has the same people hanging around them yeah. saying, well, you know, F this and everything else. It, there's only so much resilience that you can have. Um, mm. We find the key times are that first 48 hours um, because that's sort of real temptation time. Sure. Um, the next one is one month and then the one after that is three months. Um, if you, you know, the first month, if you can get through that 48 hours, you're still really focused for that first month. But then if you keep on getting knockbacks and you keep on being told that, no, you can't and you're no good and everything else, then um, getting through that next three months is really hard um, because you, you start to lose the faith that you have in yourself and um, your ability to make that change because nobody else around you is seeing it or believing it. So if we can look at an employment pathway for that first three months, is we're giving people the best possible chance to be able to succeed at what they want to achieve when they get out. And I guess when these people are in the inside, they're surrounded by other people that are committed to growing and learning and um, sort of bettering themselves and, and to then better their world on the outside. But when they when they come outside, like you said, they're back, whether it's with that same group of friends or the same family that haven't been there and grown with them and evolved with them. So it's like having that that unit, that support on the outside that to kind of keep cheering them on to be like, yes, like let's keep going down this important, you know, path yeah. of self-development and self-improvement instead of, you know, going back to old habits or old ways potentially. 
Yeah, absolutely. And we all know how hard change is. You know, we're wired not to change. We're wired to do the status quo, especially Mm. if we're in the same environment. So Mm. it is critically hard um, to be able to do that. And, you know, we're so proud of so many of the men that we work with that they've been able to, um, you know, really get over all these hurdles and move forward. And this is what we're saying is there's so much amazing talent so much opportunity that is just being wasted sitting away behind bars um, that, you know, it's, 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 it's not about us um, helping, it's not about us sort of helping them, it's more about us holding a mirror up to them and saying, do you see what we see? Mm. You know, can you see through our eyes who we're looking at? And that person is capable and talented and, and you know, is a wonderful, wonderful contributor to our society. Um, and it's, it's just when they start believing that in themselves that we often see that dramatic change. And are there people that you've crossed paths with since starting work start that certain stories that really stand out to you, certain people that you've interacted with that really um, that really still stick in your mind? Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's certainly um, ones where, um, and this is probably more the female side of things, um, I, I haven't ever felt uncomfortable or at risk within a male prison at all, um, which is surprising. Um, because you'd think that that may be the, the, mm, the one that you Yeah, would. I am surprised um, to hear that, yeah. yeah. The only prisons I have felt a bit uncomfortable, actually the female ones, though female inmates are super tough ladies. They are super tough and they've needed to be. Mm. Um, they have often been through really um, extreme things and I suppose um, ironically there's some level of protection you know you're a female in a male environment you sort of there's some level of respect to a certain extent which is a little bit um weird um Mm -hmm. you know the levels of domestic violence we also have inside prisons um but within the female prison there there is it's just you know it's very bare everything is up front and you know it's who are you and 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 that's completely fine as well um, which is also why I'm really interested to be running our programs in the female prisons because, again, so much talent, so much capability. Um, and if it's Australia's biggest growing cohort, then, you know, we want to be part of helping them understand all the talent and capability that they have. I wanted to ask you, Helen, about the Work Restart team and, and what that, um, you know, what that group of people look like. Obviously, you know, yourself and you're heavily involved both on the inside and the outside, but what, who makes up Work Restart and, and what are the types of um, involvement they have and, and duties that they're involved in? Yeah, and this is this is the exciting thing. We have a really seriously committed, amazing team of people who work inside. So there are supervisors and our mentors inside. Um, very small. We're, we're exceptionally small at the moment, but the um, you know the proof of our impact is is evident, and we're really keen to grow it. We believe that we've got a model that is self sustaining, but also effective. Mm. Um, so. Uh, what we're really interested in is is um, we've got a great board of directors um, as well at the moment that are really supportive and passionate about what we're doing um, and also really forward-looking 
um, which is fantastic to have that level of support. It just it just makes the world go around so much easier mm. when, when you're sort of sharing sharing the load. Um, and we're very keen to sort of start engaging with transition specialists and and um, people on the outside as well. So yeah, small team, but they they're an amazing group of people. They um, we're, we're working in industrial area, even our computer area is in a big steel shed because there's prisons aren't set up to have digital areas inside them so mm. which can be really fun in a Queensland summer <laughs> yes I can imagine it's very pleasant with a large group of men all in there working away oh my goodness so yeah <laughs> we seriously have to look at whether the computers are going to melt on some days and just shut them down because it's like nope the servers are going to go ballistic we have yeah to shut everything's down. overheating we'd love air conditioning that would be wonderful if, we could yeah, if anyone's listening they'd like to donate yeah. some air conditioning <laughs> Yes, please. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they, they put up with an environment that, I mean, it is a complex environment as well. Um, mm. We, on average at any one time, have about 100 people um, working with us um, and but the prison holds 700 people. So there's many people that we, we uh, are, you know, in that environment every every day that aren't really involved with our programs. And uh, it, it can be a confronting environment. It's, it can be very dog-eat-dog, you know, for some of the guys in there. And um, it, so it is... It is something that we really are greatly appreciative of our staff being highly resilient and highly, highly compassionate as well um, and effective. So, yeah. Given that, you know, that environment that you're working in and like you said, you're hearing lots of stories of different people's backgrounds and, and the mm. things that people have been through um, and, and giving so much to these people on a, on a daily and weekly basis, what do you do to sort of make sure you're taking care of yourself so that you can then front up for these days. How do you sort of look <laughs> after yourself? Oh, Adrian, I wish I could say I was at the moment, but I haven't been. That's the worst thing. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, last year was really tough. That was a really, really tough year and there was a lot of, and as you go through, I mean, this is part of the journey. When you're establishing anything, there are things that work and there are things that don't work and um, because it's it's a multidimensional um, sort of, I suppose, business model, um, it can be quite complex sometimes. So, yeah, last year was horrendous, to be very frank, and mm. I didn't look after myself and I'm significantly paying for it. Um and that's why it's just eking out those, you know, those precious moments to do something that's a little bit more physically challenging, you know, away from that environment and taking care of my own mental health and also taking care of the food that I eat and the mm. things that feed me um, really haven't been there. Um, I'm a, I love travelling. I, I really enjoy looking at new cultures. And although I'm a pathetic motorbike rider, I love doing it on a motorbike. So I love travelling to other countries and riding motorbikes through them because you get to meet people that you wouldn't normally meet mm. on the tourist scene and um, experience things you wouldn't normally experience and smell things and breathe things that you wouldn't normally do when you're sort of travelling through other countries. So I've missed out on that, which I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm panging for it. I'm, <laughs> I, need to, I need to do some travelling, I think, just to reset um, my focus. And, and you need that time out. And I, 
it's very hard when you're in the thick of things to be able to say, just stand back a bit because you feel that if, if I try to breathe a bit, then um, things are going to fall down, um, which is absolutely the wrong thing for any, any um, business, social enterprise, whatever you do. It's, mm. you know, if, if you're the pivotal person or if you're the person who's feeling like you're holding up all these balls, mm-hmm. then um, you've got to get out of that situation as soon as you can because it's it's not good for your organisation. But it's easy to say that when you're a larger one. We're, we're a very small, lean team and we have to be multidimensional at the moment. So it's um, it's been difficult to do that but with the new board on board and um, I'm really positive about this year and where we can go and what we can do. Um, so it, it is about that. It's about sharing that load and then taking the time out. So I'm absolutely putting my hand up to say how pathetic I was last year at doing that. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't, I don't, well, I don't think it's pathetic. I think, like you said, sometimes that is just, and like a lot of guests on the show have said, that is what it's like when you're first starting up a new venture it's lots of hours and often you know you might be managing still another job or a family or other hobbies or other commitments in your life plus you're also really driven and excited and motivated so you want to spend every waking minute and you know your your business is particularly um I can imagine taxing for want of a better word (laughs) because of the environment that you know you're living in and also even just little things like being able to stop and grab a cup of tea and check your emails and respond to a few things you don't have that because you're not you don't have your technology while you're in there so when you're in there then you come out and the phone's still going and everyone's still waiting for responses or voicemails to be answered and texts to be responded to all that sort of thing so I think you know I I admire the fact that you went you know what last year I didn't do so great on it (laughs) I'm putting things in place instead of getting to this time in 2021 going yeah okay so self-care I've not been graded up for two years you know what I mean it's like you said it's you've got the new board in place and and starting to put things in place so that you can get your motivate trips and you can, you know, eat better or, or look after your own mental health a little bit better so that you can keep running up and taking care of all these other people that are looking yeah. to you for advice. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure you're not just sitting there teaching them how to use a computer. I'm sure the conversations you're having with them are so much deeper and more involved than just, you know, Absolutely. what it is that you you say on paper that you're there to do. I'm sure it goes way beyond that in terms of the support that you're giving these people. Yeah, and I think it's that um, it is very much it's that sort of stuff by osmosis. So mm. it is it is not it's not something that, as you said, it's not just here's a skill off you go. It, it is who are you? What are you passionate about? You know, yeah, what where, are your where strengths? Where are you coming from? Where, yeah, and um, you know how how do we help you move forward from there? So mm. I think the frustration is because we are small that I feel that we don't do it um, as exhaustively as we should and Mm. I I take it personally when um, to a certain extent which is wrong again when we have um, when we fail somebody um, but on the same tact we have to be fearlessly compassionate with ourselves as well and it's not about us holding somebody's hand it's Mm. about standing beside them and Mm -hmm. it's there's work it's, it's hard work. It's hard work to, you know, make up for what people have done to community and to their mm. families and, and, and even more so what they've done to themselves um, because 
it takes a lot of effort and that's some that's a journey that they have to go through we, mm. we, we can stand beside them but fundamentally that's a journey that they have to go through we can't do that for them yeah so. and it sounds like from what you've said yourself and the work restart team are giving these people every resource every tool every technique everything you're totally kidding them up with everything that they you you possibly can within your power to make a positive change or, or, or a shift in the way that their life is potentially heading and like you said the rest is then you know for them and same goes for all of us to then go no I'm going to take control and and make this change you know everyone around me has given me everything that I, they can possibly give me to kit me up to make that to make that change and the rest is on me yeah yeah so and it's hard as we said before change is hard so it's um it's especially when there's drugs and alcohol involved because addiction is just horrid it's sure. just horrid. Um, yeah. It's really hard to for people to move through that, yeah, especially when life is not pleasant. Mm. Um, it is sometimes the escape that makes life livable. So, sure. Yeah. If there's people listening that are thinking, you know, I've always wanted to, to start my own initiative or my own venture, what are some of the things that you've learnt, um, you know, over your time in, in Work Restart that, you know, you wish you had have known at the start or you would tell someone <laughs> who would come to you and go, hey, Helen, like I'm thinking of this, what, what, what advice would you give people who are maybe in a position where you were a few years ago thinking about starting a, an idea or a business or a project? I think um, there's two two components to that. So I'm I'm an absolute advocate around social enterprises, but I, I'm very much of the view that social enterprises need to be self-sustaining. So mm. they're not charities. A charity is something that you give money to. A social enterprise is around a trading business. It's around a business that um, gives skills and um, opportunities for people for employment. Employment. That's 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 the employment social enterprises, I should say. So, um, I think what often happens in this sector is that people are not as brave as they should be, and I'm certainly um, there as well. Mm. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me when I was travelling around and looking at those social enterprises that were successful is that they didn't aim low; they aimed really high. Um, the soap company is a is a fantastic example in um, England, um, and it, it's um, it's a wonderful place. It has um, it's for blind people, so they have about fifty staff, and they've got little stalls where they bring their guide dogs and all sorts of other things, and they wow. make soaps, and they've got the packets in braille and all sorts of other things, but. In the past, it had been sort of, oh, you know, we don't really have the skill set and the capabilities, so we'll look at this lower end of the market and, you know, because that's all we can really service. Mm. Um, they had a brand-new marketing management who is fantastic and a, and a GM, she's a leader, and uh, she just said, no way, you know, we're, we're heading high. So she developed a product and a product range which is now in all the high street stores in in the UK and it's a very trendy high market high value product and I think that we often think of the limitations that exist rather than seeing the potential so um, and as I said I can put my hand up for that as well so it was really eye-opening to see that um, another wonderful social enterprise was called Adrenaline in Singapore and they do events and all sorts of other things and I said oh who are your key customers and he said oh the 
the prime minister. You know, if you're going to do this, if you're going to do it, you might Straight as well to the do top. it to the top. You know, and I'm like, oh, crap, okay, I like your attitude. You yeah. Know? So I think it's um, we're often thinking about limitation because of some of the cohorts that we may be working with, people have experienced limitation, mm. but we don't We don't always uh, give credit for the amazing capabilities of the people that we work with. And mm. um, and so we limit, you know, we, we have to, you know, look forward to that. I think that's one of those things is, is don't aim for the lowest common denominator, sort of say how high can I get? You know, mm. how big can I get? How how much influence can I have? And then, you know, plan from there. Mm. Get a wonderful group of people around you. You you need, you know, it takes a tribe. Um, but finding that tribe, as you were saying before, there's some people who would find that this wouldn't fit with who they are. That's okay. That's sure. not everybody has to love what you're doing, mm. but the people who are passionate about it will help you succeed amazingly and help you through those really tough times as well. Mm. Um, another thing that really came to mind too was looking at a, um, a company in um, LA, um, oh, sorry, San Francisco. They did film film work. And, um, you know, one of the things that really stood out is we've, we had been working with, you know, secondhand donated equipment in the digital studio, which we're super grateful for um, because, you know, that, that helps us, you know, mm. it is, when you've got 40-odd uh, computers, if, that's a lot of money if you have to buy them brand new. So secondhand donated ones are, are brilliant and we partner with the university to do that. Um, but they sort of said we always get the latest equipment for our team because if we want them to be out there in the real world, they have to be used to working with real-world equipment. Mm. And, again, it was this whole, oh, I'm thinking small again. You know, why Why am I always thinking small? Um, or, or lack, you know, this sort of lack mentality that often mm. sits around it rather than this abundance and, no, we want the best. If people are already starting behind the eight ball, regardless of what social enterprise you, you might have, if you're starting behind the eight ball, why give them secondhand equipment? Why not give them the best and help get them up there as quickly as you can? So um, it was a wonderful experience to meet all these different companies and just work out, yeah, actually I've had the wrong mindset around that. How can I change that? So, mm. yeah. um, so I think probably that big thinking is good. Sorry, bing bong. <laughs> no, no, that's great. It's um, I often think, you know, what are some of those things that, you know, we wish we knew when we first started or it's like what could we have told ourselves about how, how this was all going to turn out? And I think, you know, it's, it's um, you know, where or where we are at in our business and it's almost like not a, not our duty to pay that advice forward, but I'm sure there were a lot of people that, you know, sat down with us for coffee or phone calls or let us pick their brain when we all started our businesses. So I think it's nice to be able to share some of those lessons or learnings that that we've picked up along the way with people that might be listening that think, oh, I don't know, or, or you know, that advice might be the difference between them, you know, do, taking the next step sooner than what they thought. Yeah, and it's about some, that surrounding yourself with the people who are, mm. are pushing your thinking to, you know, but able to help you create that path to it as well. There's nothing more frustrating than having big thoughts and then going, but I have no path there. I have, I have no concept of the path there. Yeah. Um, so that that is the biggest thing too is it's pushing thinking, but it's also helped create that path. 
Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. Helen, if people are wanting to find out more about Work Restart and the incredible and very fascinating work that you're doing, where's the best place for them to sort of look, especially if they're in your area and are potentially able to to get involved in in the work that you're doing? Yeah, the best place is our website, which is Mm -hmm. um, workrestart.com.au. We don't have much of a social media presence at the moment. One of the the difficulties we have with what we do is that um, any incarcerated person can't be identified uh, legislation says that they're not able to be identified. So we, sure. we don't we don't have all these wonderful pictures of stuff that we're doing inside because uh, we can't take them. We do have a whole lot of shots of people with the backs of their heads uh, occasionally. But um, connect with us by that, and um, yeah, we're happy to to chat to people. And as we said, we we have mentors coming in. Um, we are interested in partnering with really fearless businesses that want to see change and want to drive change, and and do have a bit of a social agenda whether that's um uh, you know a normal business but also um social enterprises that are product based not employment based but product based we're, we're working with the wonderful trademark team at the moment which um is a fantastic social enterprise and a fantastic fit for us because mm. they they are all about conversations with men about mental health in the trades and again, so many of the men we work with um, have this issue and very important trades, yeah. and and that's what spurred on the drug use, and mm-hmm. so and and then and therefore you know other behaviour after that. So, mm. um, you know, it's these wonderful partnerships that we're always interested in exploring as well because it it is a tribe, you know, yeah. It's honestly, Helen, the work that you're doing is incredible, and. I can't imagine it's for for the faint-hearted. So I, yeah, I'm really grateful for you um, to come onto the podcast and take time out of the business today because I know that is hard as you know <laughs> running a small business. I know it's hard to make time for those things that aren't um, you know necessary or, or need to have. So thank you um, so uh, much. Actually, I'd turn this around the other way. I think it is more than necessary because part of our impact is being able to change some of the conversation that sits Mm. around incarceration to a second chances mentality rather Mm. than a persecution mentality. And it's, it's things like this wonderful podcast, Adrian, that gives us the chance to, to let people see a different side. And Mm. we really appreciate being able to come along and have a chat with you today about it. Yeah. Thank you. I think I've definitely had my mind shifted um, (laughs) about, you know, just the way I think about people that have, you know, somehow found themselves in jail and not to be, I guess, so narrow-minded about going, well, they've, you know, made bad choices. So that's that's what you get. And maybe looking at it from a bit bigger of a picture to go, you know what, sometimes it's those sliding door moments or the the family that they were born into or the community or the world that they were born into um, that maybe has paid more of a part in, in leading them to where they are now than just, you know, poor personal decision-making. So thank you for the opportunity to challenge my thinking and I'm sure um, the listeners as well. Um, as Helen mentioned, their website is workrestart.com.au and there's a tab there um, that sort of talks about how you can get involved both from an individual and a, a corporate point of view. So please, um, please do check that out. Um, thank you to everybody for listening to another episode of The Bold Platform. And again, Helen, thank you so much, not only for the work you do for the community, but for taking time out to come on the podcast today. No problem at all. 